Well, good morning, church family. It's good to see everybody on this beautiful spring day. Were we all ready for this? Amen. Man, it's, it's time for spring, isn't it? And uh, glad it is here. You know, with all this spring and everything coming to life, it, it seems like I, I thought, you know, I should have put this sermon series like at, you know, the middle of November or something. Sometimes going against things. Yeah, we're, we're in a series right now where we're talking about living in a culture of death. And you know, folks, the operative word there is living, right? We don't hide, we don't run away, and we're not just trying to survive. God, God did not put you as an individual. He did not put us here as the church to just survive, but to live, to live, to have life, and to be able to share that life with others. But last week I made the case that as, as you and I try to do that, we're, we're doing that more and more in, in a culture of death. And I, and I tried to show some thoughts that are permeating our society, some, some statistics, if you will, that, that kind of prove that, that that is where we are. And then if that's where we are, where, where do we go from here? And, and we saw from Scripture that the choice of life, the choice of life is in your hands. It's in my hands. We choose life in how we live each day. And we saw that we need to love God, we need to obey God, we need to hold on to God. Super simple ideas, but they actually have a profound impact on what you and I experience in our world and and in our life. So we kind of laid that groundwork last week. Now, today, the next two Sundays, we're going to look a little bit more at some specific issues. How how do we think? How do we respond? How are we to be prepared in in that kind of event? And uh, today, man, we're looking at a a difficult topic. Honestly, this is something I want to talk about, probably something I would want to avoid and, and yet, it, it needs to be talked about. We need to know how to talk about this with each other. We need to know how to talk about this with others in our, in our world. And, and that's the issue of, of suicide. And uh, I'm going to have a friend of mine come in just a moment. And I'm going to introduce him in a second. But uh, before he comes, and we kind of look at practically how we live with this issue in our society. I want to address kind of a biblical, theological question. Real, I think. Actually, it's a big thing, but I think it can be addressed pretty simply. And, and that is the issue of can my loved one, can my friend, can, can someone still go to heaven a- a- after committing suicide? I, I don't think I've been anywhere near that topic or that issue or that event where that question wasn't asked. And the answer is absolutely yes. And I hope to show you that in just a second. Definitively, absolutely yes, somebody can still be forgiven, still go to heaven when that issue has been in their in their life and and now their death. There, there is a very common belief that that's like straight to hell, and uh, that that belief probably not not solely, but uh, probably comes from the Catholic Church as much as any group that is a that is in their doctrine that is their belief and it's one that seems to have permeated uh, society that, that that's one thing everybody seems to oh I know the church teaches that and uh, but but while they teach that we do not now you might why well why why do we have differences of opinion is that is that because we look at the passages differently, that we interpret it differently? And no, that's not really the case on this issue. 
It's not an issue of looking at passages differently. In, in the Catholic faith, they have two sources of authority, two sources of answering questions and understanding life. One is the Bible, and the other is church doctrine, church teaching, church tradition, some the Pope speaking. Okay, so those are their, their sources of authority. And church teaching, church tradition, does not have to arise out of the Bible. That, that probably sounds foreign to some of us because that is our one source of authority, right? That's the one place we're going to, to look for, for answers and direction. But in the, in the Catholic faith, they have two sources, what the church says, what, what the Bible says. And they can have things that they say the church says. It doesn't even have to come out of the Bible. In some places, in my opinion, that's an, this is an opinion statement, it even contradicts what the Bible says. But that's not a contradiction for them. And they have those two sources of authority. I'm not making a statement today about the rightness or the wrongness of that. I'm just communicating where this idea came from. And uh, I have four years of all-boys Catholic high school to back up my understanding of this. And uh, so, again, in, in our faith, we have one source of authority, and, and that's the Scripture. Remember last week we talked about how important this book is, if we're going to understand what it means to love God, obey God, and hold on to God? We're, we're looking to hear for, for all answers. Now, having said that, that doesn't mean we look here perfectly, does it? Doesn't mean we interpret perfectly, doesn't mean we apply perfectly, but that is our attempt, is to go to Scripture and get all of our answers from one place, one source of authority. And I believe Jesus very clearly answers the question we're asking. Can somebody who's committed suicide still go to heaven? And I want to read a passage where I believe you'll hear Jesus answer this question. You're not going to hear the word suicide. You're not going to hear the word dying or, or death. But I do believe you'll hear Jesus answer the question, Matthew chapter 12, if you want to turn there, first book in your New Testament, Matthew chapter 12, and I'm going to read verse 31 and 32. Matthew 12, 31 to 32. It says this, So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven. And that's just kind of end of the discussion right there, isn't it? I, every sin means every sin. Okay, let me go on and read though. So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. Now, Jesus says two things there that, that address our question. The first thing he says is that Every sin can be forgiven. Is suicide a sin? Yes, it is. Suicide is a sin that is worthy of condemnation. It is worthy of hell. Like every single sin. But suicide, like every sin, can be covered by the cross. It can be forgiven. Now, it's the interesting way Jesus says this. He says, every sin except... Now, that's a little bit of a head-scratcher, isn't it? If it's every, then there's no except, right? If it's every, then there's no... I mean, it's just every sin. Now, if there's even one, well, then it's not every anymore. It's most sins, almost every sin, except this one. So what does this mean that every sin 
except this one. Well, what, what is blasphemy of the Spirit? If you were to travel back up into the passage a little bit more to get a context for why Jesus was saying this right here, I did not read the whole passage there, you, you, would, you would see that blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is basically this. It's rejecting the Holy Spirit's witness in my life of who Jesus is and why I need him. Do you know that when you and I come to the knowledge that Jesus is the Son of God and that I need Him for forgiveness of sins and eternal life is not because we're so spiritually astute. It's because the Holy Spirit has revealed that in our lives and we have accepted that witness. We can also reject that witness. We can also mock that witness. Now, let's do the math here. All sin can be forgiven in Christ. But if I reject the witness of the Holy Spirit that brings me to Christ, then what have I just rejected? The way that all sin is forgiven. All sin can be forgiven unless you reject the way that sin is forgiven. So, suicide can be forgiven. Can be forgiven. All sins can be forgiven if we are in Christ. Now, someone might wonder, well, I mean, is that somebody that knows the Lord, somebody that has a relationship with Jesus, can, can they reach that kind of state of, of hopelessness? Can they commit a sin like that? You, you, know, you know, first of all, is a person like that really saved? I, I don't know. I'm not that person's judge. The church is not that person's judge. You are not that person's judge. You know who is that person's judge? God. And the great thing about God is he's never guessing. He's never thinking. He's never trying to put it together. No, he has perfect knowledge of that person. He has perfect knowledge of a genuine relationship with him or not. He has perfect knowledge of everything going on in their lives. And with that perfect knowledge, he will judge with justice and grace. And that's where we leave that friend. That's where we leave that loved one. We leave them in the hands of a God who is just and grace and who's going to do right. But yes, absolutely, in theory, I guess you would say, I do believe a person that is saved can reach that state of hopelessness, commit that sin, and still know the forgiving grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Because, boy, the moment we start saying, well, not that sin, folks, it, it, the list doesn't get very long before every single one of us is out. Right? Doesn't get very long before every single one of us is out. So, again, just a few minutes there, but I really believe that's about the entire biblical discussion of how we would answer that question. Big question, but it's got a really pretty direct and, and simple answer. So what I kind of want to do the, the rest of the morning is uh, kind of how do we be prepared to understand what's going on and how we would respond and how we would help practically speaking because we want to carry life out there, right? And folks, I try, listen, I believe in divine appointments. Do you? If you're here today, I, I tell you what, I'm just believing on God. There are people God has brought here today because you're going to be in the presence of someone in the next week, the next month, the next year. And maybe what you're going to learn here today is going to speak life when death is looming. Amen? So I'm going to, I want to ask a friend of mine, Kevin Skellett, to come on up. And matter of fact, Sherry, would you stand up so we can see you? This is Kevin and Sherry Skellett. 
They have some fans in the room. And uh, Kevin is, a, is an associate pastor uh, at Southside Church of the Nazarene, which I was thinking is about exactly halfway between this campus and our Midlothian yeah. campus. Yeah. So if you're at either one of our campuses and don't like us, then try Southside Church of the Nazarene. <laughs> Wait a minute. I can't believe I just said that. I appreciate that. (laughs) That's a... That's a bad commercial I just gave. Anyway, he is an associate pastor there. He is a, uh, a fellow a police chaplain with me at Chesterfield County Police Department. And, uh, and he is a, a leader in our area uh, of suicide prevention and, and intervention. So I asked him to join us today and help me. I told you last week, I don't feel very equipped. I, I, I don't feel very equipped to really help and, and, and guide here. And so I, I said, hey, I know somebody who is. And I, I asked Kevin to be with us. Kevin, have a seat. And, uh, you, you know, I, I would imagine if this has not touched our life or touched our home, we probably feel pretty squeamish about thinking about it, Absolutely. talking about it. How, how, how does somebody, why did you get involved in this? Um, it's real simple. It's a, it's a date. It's May 18th, 2011. Um, on that date, suicide awareness and prevention became uh, very, very important to me, although it was a little bit late. That was the day that my youngest son, Mark, uh, took his own life, and he was 21 at the time. Uh, he had just turned 21 two weeks before. And uh, Mark had a passion for life. He, he loved life. He, uh, he had a passion for animals. He, uh, he would rescue cats and dogs, and they would become the most important thing in his life, and he would do anything for those animals. Uh, he had a passion for learning. Uh, he loved classic literature. He loved science fiction. He loved old movies and, and old music. And uh, you know, he would, if there was some topic that, um, that he wanted to learn about, he would go out and read as much as he could till he could speak intelligently about it. Uh, Mark was very passionate about his friends. Yeah, after his funeral, I, I got to meet a lot of his friends and, and talk to them one-on-one. And, and what they told me was that, um, you know, how, how Mark came to help them in their time of need. Uh, you know, Mark would, would go buy some food for them or go get some, some things that they needed. He, he would be the one that would show up if they had a special event. And they invited all the friends. He, he would be the one friend that would be right there in front cheering them on. And, uh, you know, Mark's passion uh, also, uh, his passion, it would go back and forth very much in his emotions. You know, he could go from being real happy to being really angry very quickly. And, um, you know, I I don't know if he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Um, I know that he had seen a doctor and and been talking about that. He's on medicine for a time. Uh, But he would have those big mood swings. And, and I was always afraid that, you know, if the right situation came up and, and he had a lot of pressure on him, that he may take his own life. Uh, the last time that I saw him, he came over to our house for dinner, and um, he was in the middle of a, a real tough situation. Uh, but through our conversation and, and everything, you know, he told me about the plans that he had for the next few weeks and uh, he, he was excited about those plans. Um, I, I was always concerned about his future because he didn't seem to be thinking too far out in the future, but he was telling me about some things, uh, some life choices that he wanted to make as he was moving forward. 
So, you know, I never wanted to bring up suicide. You know, are you having thoughts of suicide? Because I thought that I would be putting those thoughts into his head. So I never wanted to talk about that. Um, but through this conversation, I felt real comfortable that, you know, he wasn't thinking about anything. He had plans. He was moving forward. And then um, five days later, he took his life. Um, that's the why I, I do suicide awareness and prevention. The how came a, a lot later because, uh, I, I, you know, during that time I had a lot of uh, friends and, and people come and, and pour into my life and, um, and really help minister to me, and that taught me how to minister to others who had lost family members to suicide or who had lost children, and I, I've done that a lot. Uh, but once I joined the, um, uh, the chaplain's program for the right. Chesterfield Police Department, w- one of the events that they had during our training uh, or during, during one of our meetings was um, the crisis intervention training that the, the police officers go through. They introduced us to that. And, and at the end of that, uh, that, that meeting, uh, they gave us a handout uh, about some different events that were coming up. And, and one of the events was... Um, the, the Survivors of Suicide Loss Day. It was the International Survivors of Suicide Loss Day. And I, I'd never heard of that. And that caught my eye because, well, I thought maybe uh, this is a place where I could go and, and maybe meet some families that I could minister to. Um, but uh, so, so I went. It was a, a, a church just uh, not too far from my house. And um, I went in with that expectation, but something completely different happened. I was introduced to an organization called the Chesterfield Suicide Awareness and Prevention Coalition, and I talked to a number of the members there, and um, I told them a little bit about my story, and that, uh, that I was a member, or that I was, uh, had started a Celebrate Recovery at our church, and, uh, and we've had a number of people that had come uh, and had suicidal thoughts and things there, and uh, they thought it would be a good idea for me to join their coalition. And uh, that was about two and a half years ago. So I've spent the last two and a half years with this group of wonderful people, um, you know, from uh, the Chesterfield um, mental health uh, area, from uh, the Chesterfield School District, uh, from HCA, from FACES, uh, from Beacon Tree, uh, you know, some, a lot of organizations that you see up here um, that they all have that same focus. They want to educate and make people aware of what to do in case of that they see signs of suicide and educate people on the signs of suicide. Yeah, yeah. So. Gosh, I, you know, on all kinds of issues, when it touches our lives, it becomes a big issue. Absolutely. But I think probably part of your message, too, is this isn't just an issue because it's touched your life. This, mm-hmm. this is an issue in our nation. Absolutely. Uh, give us a little bit of context about your one home, but that one home represents what? Share, share yeah. a little bit of that. Yeah, when, this is a, a big problem in the United States, and it seems to be increasing. Mm-hmm. Um, if we look at some statistics um, from back in, in I think 2016, the, the suicide um, rate, we're looking at, you know, it's three times that of the homicide rate. So people are killing themselves at wow. a rate three times faster than people are killing each other. I, I, would, have, I would have never guessed that. Would y'all? Is that, is that news to you? That's, a, that's stunning. And, and you know, a, a suicide happens about every 11.9 minutes. And with every suicide, 25 other people um, attempt suicide. So, so in this time that, that we're just talking right here... Yeah. You know, three people are going to die from suicide, and 75 others are going to attempt. 
and that's nationwide. Um, if we look down into Virginia itself, in that same year, there was 1,118 suicide deaths. And uh, the rate in Virginia, it's, um, you know, it's, it's certainly high, but it's about 39th in the country. Um, but the key thing is, it's the There's second... the Virginia slide. Yeah, yeah, it's the second leading cause of death for youth, and it's very close behind uh, accidents, you know, because most of the youth will die in, uh, in a car accident, but suicide is right behind it. And that's, that's something we need to change. That's definitely something we need to change. And over half the, the suicide deaths in Virginia uh, were used firearms in, in, that, uh, in that suicide. If we look even deeper down into the Chesterfield itself, um, there were 49 deaths in 2014 by suicide. And if we look across the state, that rate here in Chesterfield is a little bit higher than the rest of the state. And so, you know, we certainly have a, a larger population, but that's based on, on the population itself, you know, looking at that, you know, 14.7 deaths versus the 13 statewide. So we definitely have a lot of work to do to, one, raise awareness, and, and two, uh, help to prevent that. You know, one of the, uh, the key things, if we look from a mental health perspective, uh, and here in Virginia, uh, I think Virginia was like 28th, 27th in 2011 for, you know, having the ability, you know, if someone is diagnosed with a mental health issue, uh, for them to have access to help. Um, <laughs> Between 2011 and 2016, that actually dropped, and that dropped significantly down to, we're now 38th in the, in the country, being able to have resources available when someone is diagnosed with a mental health issue. And uh, so, you know, those types of things, and especially on the youth side, um, we are 48th out of 50 um, in being able to, if, if a youth is diagnosed with depression, to be able to have the resources to help that youth. Uh, you know, one out of four don't get any help at all. And uh, that's certainly the, the, the youth suicide rate is, is very high, um, as I said before, and we really need to address that and help that. And that's, that's why we have the school district and, and other representatives involved in, uh, in a lot of the work that we do. Yeah, you, you know, folks, as I look at just that, that last slide, because obviously the goal of this series is so what? So what, what do we do? One, that tells me something I need to be praying about, right? Yeah. It tells me something I need to be aware of how my elected representatives are aware of this. I need to be aware of what's, what's going on in our society because, you know, I use the word culture a lot. And in that kind of like a nebulous term, like I'm almost talking about another planet, uh, this is Chesterfield. Somebody, 49... Somebody is dying in Chesterfield suicide almost every single week. Uh, that, that, that is happening right here. And so how, how we pray and how we're aware of, of what kind of care uh, is out there. Um, so, Kevin, um, peri periodically one of us is going to come across a, a, a child, a mate, maybe a friend at work or school, and, and we're kind of wondering, we're not... Sure, we're concerned. What, what, what are the signs? What are we supposed to be yeah. looking for in, with someone? Yeah, a lot of times, you know, you're going to see some signs of some, of some sort. A lot of times, it's going to be a verbal sign. And uh, people are going to be talking. Um, and so you need to understand some of the language that you may hear, um, and then some of the other signs as well. Um, you know, if you hear somebody say things like, you know, life isn't worth living, or... 
you know, my family would be better off without me. Uh, maybe next time I'll take enough pills to do the job. You know, that sounds like they've already attempted. You know, I, I won't be with you much longer. Uh, I'm sorry. You'll be sorry when I'm gone. You, know, you hear statements like these, that's, that's a red flag. That's something that I, I need to do something about that if I hear that statement. And we'll talk about what to do in just a moment. You know, some other signs that you'll see is just changes in behavior. Um, maybe they're very depressed. Um, maybe they start trying to take care of a lot of their things, put things in order, fill out, you know, update their will, maybe pay off debt. Um, maybe they'll go around and, and start giving away some of their prized possessions, just making sure that those things are, are taken care of in the future. Um, maybe there's some change in sleeping patterns or there's fluctuations in their weight or appetite. And maybe there's some loss of interest or, or pleasure in, in just some of the usual things that they would be doing. Um, you know, maybe that they just, it, you hear you know, feelings of worthlessness. You know, I, I'm just no good. I'm, I'm, I'm not worth anything. You know, if you see those types of behaviors, that's a red flag. Another one that's very big is you know, social media. Social media is so big today. And you know, the cyberbullying, that, that's the ones that we see on the television. You know, when, when that happens, you know, that, that mm-hmm. you know, draws a lot of attention. But you know, if someone you know, is starting to, to get posts or harassing messages to their you know, social media accounts, or you know, if someone steals their account and, and just posts some uh, trash about them or, or you know, some damaging information like that or posts some pictures about them that's very damaging, you know, that, that person you know, could be subjected to start thinking about suicidal thoughts, and, and we see that. Um, you know, if they have negative statements on their Facebook page or, or their Twitter or, or whatever, you know, just saying, you know, I'm a waste of space. You know, I'm, no one cares about me. Um, you know, I seriously hate myself. You see st- statements like that, you need to be concerned. Or, you know, they have negative leading statements that, that lack any clarity, that don't, there's kind of, you know, you wouldn't believe what I've been through. You know, it's like everyone is against me. You know, statements like these on, on, on social media accounts, again, those are all, all red flags, and, and we need to take those all seriously. Um, when you ever hear someone talk about something that you think is suicidal, take it seriously. Yeah. Um, you, you know, Kevin, when I look at some of those things, you, you know, I mean, I mean, you want to know my temptation right away? I just want to dismiss yes, it. Yeah. I, I want to, well, I, I mean, you know, who hasn't said no one cares about me? Who hasn't said it's been a horrible week? And I, I think my, my temptation, and I, I think I'm probably speaking for some others, is I'm not sure I want to see it. Um, I, don't, I don't know what I would do. I don't, I don't want to be responsible for putting a thought in somebody's mind. I don't want to get into it and find out that there is a legitimate issue there, and I make things worse. Right. I, I just, I don't know, I don't know what, I don't know what to do. So, so what, what, <laughs> what, 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 you know, when, when do we do something? When do we do something when these things are happening, and, and what is it that we do? Well, you know, I, I didn't know what to do with my own son, and um, so I've learned these things since then, and, and you know, the one big thing is, you know, there, there's a big myth that, you know, if someone wants to commit suicide, there's no way you're going to stop them. Um, mm-hmm. But that's a myth. You know, uh, they just want to stop the pain, whether it's mental pain or physical pain. They're just looking for a way to stop the pain that they experience each and every day. And so they're, they're just looking for a way to stop it. And, and the only way that they f- think that they can stop that 
is through death itself. But that's, um, most people would welcome questions about the way they're thinking. And that's completely opposite to what we feel oh, yeah, is comfortable. Absolutely. And so, you know, the biggest thing that you can do if, if you think someone is considering suicide is to just ask them, are you, you thinking about taking your own life? Or are you thinking about, um, sorry about that. Are you thinking about suicide? And I know that's a really hard question to ask. And I know that um, it's a real uncomfortable question to ask. But you need to ask it. Um, And and when you do, that person's not going to shy away. You're not going to put thoughts of suicide in their head. They're probably going to welcome it. And and they're going to start talking about what's going on inside inside their head or or what what they're thinking about. And that's going to be the first step to, to helping them hopefully find some help because um, that's, that's the key, is they're just looking for help, and they're crying out in, in the only way they know how, you know, through these statements, through these actions, and uh, they're just looking for someone to notice them and uh, to ask that question. So what, once you ask that question, if, if, what if they say yes? What do I do now? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you ask some follow-up questions, because you need to know right where that person is at that moment. Um, ask a question like, you know, do you have a plan? Have you enacted a plan? Do you know what you're going to do? Um, do you have access to a firearm or, or to some other lethal method? You know, have you ever attempted before? And then, you know, what, what resources have you used? Do, do they have a, um, you know, a doctor, a counselor, or, or someone that they've, they've used in the past or someone that they meet with? So the first thing that you, what you want to do if they do have a plan and if they're thinking about it right then is to get them help immediately. Yeah. Uh, you want to get other people involved as soon as possible. And uh, so, like I said, I know that that's hard and that's uncomfortable, but I, I hope, you know, one of the things that you take away is um, that you need to do this if you encounter somebody who is in this state. Yeah. You, you know... I, 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 I always want a plan B. <laughs> and, and so, you know, what if I ask, you know, Kevin told me to ask, so I'm going to ask, and they blow up at me. You know, the, no, why, why would you say that? Why would you think that of me? I mean, I mean, couldn't a simple response would be, man, I'm, I'm glad, and I'm sorry. Absolutely. I just care about you that much. And you, you, I, I don't know, maybe I misinterpreted, but you said some things that scared me a little bit. And, yeah. and we probably can wrap it up if it kind of goes wrong mm-hmm. that way. But... Whether they're telling the truth or not, by asking, we've planted a question that we, or that where we've planted the idea that we care, yes. and that that's probably pretty important at that moment, right there, isn't it? Yeah, and and you know, you can lead with that. You know, I really care about you. Yeah. Um, are you are you thinking about suicide? Yeah. And now, we we talked about you know what if they say yes, yeah. and and I think. I mean, again, from well, what they say, yes, how far down the road can I get before I'd run out of any answers or I run out of help? But the, the, the key is to just engage because yes. we're not alone. We don't have to figure the entire process no. out. There's resources out there. Would you, would you point some of those out? Yes. And, and as you do that, uh, you know, folks, inside your bulletin, not, not all the resources, but there, there are a few resources right there with uh, Kevin's, you're wearing the same thing today you got in this picture. I am. You, I did have you do have more than one outfit, don't I, I, you? I do. Okay. I do. Oh, we'll take up an offering, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
That's just comic relief. <laughs> but uh, get this. This is inside your, your bulletin. And uh, there, there are a couple of very important, a local number and a national yeah, number. But, but go ahead. Go, go yeah, ahead and show us yeah. what we have. Yeah, some, the, the, some of the key ones, especially here in Chesterfield County, or the Chesterfield County Mental Health Support Services. And, and they've got that number available. That's on that, on that uh, um, sheet as well. Um, there's also uh, a national number. There's a, a, a national number. There's, uh, well, here locally, we can call 911, too. As I mentioned before, uh, our police officers and our EMS and fire have all been through this crisis intervention training. And that's really how do I deal with someone who has a mental health condition, whether they're thinking of suicide or a number of other different things that they could encounter out in the field. And uh, so they are a great resource. They're not going to come and arrest somebody. So, so that number right there is not just for people thinking about it. If I'm helping somebody, oh, absolutely. I can call that number. Yes. Okay. And, and the, the key thing, you know, they're going to give you some things that you can say and do. The key thing is if you can get the person to get on the phone with them as well. Oh, so you might call together. That would be great to right. call okay. together. Okay. And uh, the Suicide Prevention Lifeline, that's a national number. That's available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, that's a good number to have uh, with you if, uh, if you're encountering. Uh, those uh, you know, those types of situations um, a lot, uh, and uh, that's the number that I have in my phone. Uh, I make sure mm-hmm. that I have that. Um, there's also for veterans. There's a crisis line, um, and uh, so you know there's that number for veterans. It's got a text uh, on that too. So if they don't want to call, if they want to text, they can text a number there as well. And then there's a crisis text uh, number as well for just general. And uh, that crisis text line is that um, is right there. And so you can text that when in crisis. So there's lots of resources available. A lot of those, the national numbers and things, will plug into local resources and, and get you connected here locally. So that's, um, uh, that's the help that you really need to find. Um, get those professionals who know how to talk to, to a person who's in crisis and they know how to, to talk them down and then to get them the resources that they need. And, you know, counselors and, and things are, are wonderful resources as well. Okay. And uh, just as a reminder, because we've seen a lot of information on the screen that's really Absolutely. good, uh, if you have our church app, uh, remember, you can go to Sermon sermon notes and 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 everything you've seen up here today is is available for you to go back and review and it, and, and it's always there so please, please take advantage of that uh, kevin final final thoughts yeah. i mean we've had a lot we could probably talk for three more hours but but what what are some final thoughts on this well first i just want to talk for a second about suicide itself and, and if there's anyone you know here or or uh at uh, the Midlothian campus or online watching who's having thoughts of suicide. I I just want to say stop and call somebody and get help. That's not the answer. Suicide's not the answer. There is help that can help with the pain that you're experiencing. And uh, and, uh, just try it Mm -hmm. and and see. Um, I also just want to leave you with a story. Um, It's a real difficult story to tell, and I know it's a difficult one to hear, um, but I want you to listen and, and, and hear this message at the very end, because um, God cherishes each and every one of you. On May 18th, 2011, at 8.30 in the morning, I received a phone call. Um, the phone call was from a, a Richmond City police detective 
saying that he wanted to talk to me. And, and at first, he wouldn't say why he wanted to talk to me, but I, I kept pressuring him. And he said, um, it's about my son, Mark. Um, and so he said that he was going to be coming over. Um, when I hung up the phone, the first thing that I did was call my son Mark's cell phone. And it immediately went over to, to voicemail. Um, at that point, I, I had a good idea that my son was dead. I didn't have any of the details. But I'd heard about those types of phone calls before. And, uh, and I, knew, uh, I knew something serious was wrong. If he was in the hospital, uh, I would have gotten a call. If he was in jail, I would have gotten a call. So um, the emotions and the things that started running through my mind, and uh, it, it just kind of felt like my heart was ripped out of my chest, and I was just sitting there very alone, very empty, and uh, not really knowing what to do. It was at that moment that I had my most intimate conversation with God uh, ever. I haven't had anything close to it since. I, I was sitting there, and, uh, you know, when I talked to God, you know, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was a voice that was in my head, and it was a voice that was so clear and, and so comforting. You know, I, I said to God, My son is dead. And he immediately, immediately replied, um, my son died also, and I know exactly how you feel. And in those words, there was a lot of comfort and a lot of peace, and I just could feel him right there with his arms around me. And then he said something that really took me by surprise. He said, by the way, he's not your son and he paused. And so I had all these thoughts going through my head, trying to figure out, okay, that's news to me. But then he said, he's my son. I gave him to you. What do you say to that? <laughs> um, the only thing I could think of was, I said, well, thank you, Lord for the time that you gave me with Mark. And that was just to begin the whole healing process right there. And, and one of the messages that I want to communicate to you is God says the same thing about you. He says, you are my son. He says that you are my daughter. And uh, he knows you so well. In Psalms, it says that he knit you together in your mother's womb. In Matthew, it says that the hairs on your head are all numbered. You know, my number decreases every day. <laughs> <laughs> but my question to you is, have you accepted him as your father? Have you um, recognized what Jesus did for you. If you, if you said, you know, I know that I'm a sinner and, uh, and I need help. And uh, Lord, you know, just come into my heart, cleanse me, help me, adopt me into your family. Because you're already there, but you just need to take that extra step. And I hope you will. <laughs>